Well, everyone, welcome to our online message at First Free Church. Happy Resurrection Day. It's so awesome to be with you coming into your homes. Even though we can't be here together, I'm glad that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together and worship him together. I hope you've had an awesome time of worship today with our worship team. And now we get to turn our focus to Jesus. He is alive. We get to dive into his word and talk about his resurrection. And we now have new life because he has risen from the dead. And I hope that you are thinking about that, that, that today and extremely thankful for that today. If you're new with us, my name is Adam. I'm the senior pastor here at First Free Church. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, one of the things that's very important to us as a church is that we major on the majors and we minor on the minors. And so we hold very closely to the core truths of the gospel and our doctrinal positions. But we also recognize that there are a lot of secondary issues that believers can disagree over but don't have to divide over. That's a, a core principle for us. And the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely one of the most essential beliefs that we have. Our faith hinges on the fact that not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death so that we can have new life with him and a relationship with Jesus. And today is the day we focus on that more than ever. I mean, we should focus on this every day of the year. It should make a difference in our lives every single day. But today is the day when we really, really want to focus in on the resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to talk about the resurrection today, maybe from a different perspective than you've heard it before, through the eyes of one individual and how they changed and transformed from before the resurrection to after the resurrection. But you should know that we are entering a new sermon series right now because we are putting the First Timothy series on the shelf just for a little bit so that we can focus on the important issues and questions that people are asking right now because of the situation that we are in with the coronavirus pandemic and the fact that we're all stuck in our homes. We're asking lots of different questions. Our lives have all been interrupted and so we're calling this the Life Interrupted Series. We are in the Life Interrupted Series right now. And our lives have all been interrupted in some pretty significant ways. I mean, who would have thought six months ago that most of the world would have been told at the same time, everyone, you need to stay in your homes for several weeks in a row? Who could have imagined anything like that taking place? Or that right now, delivery drivers would be viewed in the same category as emergency personnel. Like if you deliver pizza or groceries, you're our hero now. Because you're out there risking your health to be able to keep us moving forward and keep us supplied and everything. And so we now thank the firefighters and the police officers, the nurses, the doctors, the EMTs, and the delivery workers, Instacart and Uber Eats and all that stuff. I mean, I never would have guessed that six months ago. Or that all of the schools in the entire country could just close down and all the kids stay at home from all of the schools everywhere in the country and even around the world. Or that every notification from the ESPN app would be about some game that happened 10 years ago and some highlights from, from something old because there's nothing new in sports. Or that millions of people who can't seem to figure out how to send an email without caps lock on would somehow become proficient in video chatting all of a sudden. Or that toilet paper would be such a precious resource to us. Just a couple weeks ago, I was checking in on my neighbors, and I asked one of them how he was doing. He said he was fine. He said he was just sitting at home, cutting rolls of paper towels in half so he could make toilet paper. And I told him, you're basically printing money. No one could have predicted 
what 2020 would be like. And our lives have all been massively interrupted this year. So we're asking different questions now. And we're wrestling with different things now. And we want our messages at the church to reflect that. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be in this series called Life Interrupted. And we're going to have some messages that are focused on these questions. We're going to do some panel discussions to bring on some experts and, and give us some advice on how we can all get through this together from a biblical perspective. We've been doing video interviews lately. I hope you've had a chance to watch some of those to try to clear up some misinformation, to give you information from trusted Christian voices and experts. And if you don't get those updates and you want to, go to efree.org updates and sign up for senior pastor updates and you can get those. Many of you have already answered the call to serve and help other people around you. I know that many of you are making hundreds of masks for people who work in the healthcare industry. You're making phone calls to check on people who are struggling right now or just to, just to check in. Some of you are doing that on your own. Some of you are doing that coordinated through our care ministry. Some of you are getting groceries for people and, and delivering things for them and helping in other ways. You're doing small groups online. You're getting outside and talking to your neighbors with a little bit of distance between you, of course. Our benevolence committee is really active right now and probably will be more active in the coming weeks. And, and we welcome that, honestly. We're ready to help people. We're already helping people. We've already been helping people, even, even for a long time. And, and so now we're just ready to step that up. If you do need help, go to efree.org and click on the link that says, I need help. And we're there to help you, whether it's prayer or a phone call or some kind of financial need that you have. But all of our lives have been massively interrupted. And you, the church, the family of God, have responded in incredible ways to this. And you're being the church. You're, you're, just because we're not meeting here doesn't change anything about the actual church of God. The church is still the church, and the church is still worshiping God together, even though we can't be physically in the same location. The church is still reaching out and serving and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. The church is doing what God designed it to do. You, God's family, are doing what God designed it to do. But it's not all great news either. I mean, we are struggling. We are wrestling, many of us, with, with anxiety and discouragement and depression and loneliness and all of the things that we wrestled with before. It's just now many of those things have been amplified as we're stuck in our homes more and we're falling back, some of us, on old sinful patterns. We're, we're wrestling with bad habits that, that we were able to kind of get away from before, but now that we're stuck at home and people are asking questions like, where is God in all of this? How can I trust God in the middle of this? Or how can I grow closer to God through all of this? Or how can I lead myself or my family through all of this? And those are the types of questions we want to get into in the Life Interrupted series. How do we as followers of Jesus, or maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but just to give you some good advice from what Jesus and, and the other people who believed in him said, how do we get through this together in the best way possible? That's what this series is going to be all about. Now today we are going to pick up where we left off on Good Friday. So I hope you had a chance to watch that service. If not, it's available online. You can still go back and watch that on our website at efree.org messages. And we talked about the apostle Peter. Now, Peter was a guy whose life was interrupted in some pretty big ways. And what I want to do for you today is just highlight some of the areas where Peter's life was interrupted and see what we can learn from that. The first time Peter's life was majorly interrupted was when he first met Jesus. Peter was fishing with his brother Andrew, and Jesus was teaching people in the area, and he saw Peter's boat 
Now, Peter had been out all night, not caught any fish, so he was just back washing the nets, and he was going to leave them there to dry and then come back the next morning and, and try to go out fishing again. But it was a pretty discouraging time for him, having caught no fish at all. Jesus walks over and says, hey, Peter, would you mind taking your boat out into the water so that I can use it as a platform to speak to people. The crowds were all gathered on the shore, and, and so not everybody could hear Jesus. But when he got out in Peter's boat, and, and, and Peter said, okay, we can go out there. When he got out on Peter's boat, a little ways off of shore, the cool air coming up from the water, meeting the warm air from above, creates an amplification effect. So Jesus was able to speak normally from the boat, but everyone on the shore, all the crowds, could hear him loud and clear. And so he taught the people. But then he finished teaching the people. And then he had something for Peter. So in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, we read this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Well, master Simon, and that's Peter, replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so. I'll let the nets down again. These poor guys had been out there all night long, did not catch a single thing. Those were the prime fishing hours. Why would you think anything would change now? The fish are actually less likely to be out now than they were earlier. They had already washed their nets at this point. The nets were washed and done with. So now if we go back out there, we try again, we're going to have to go wash them again, do all this work all over again. We're going to waste our time and then we're going to have to spend more time cleaning up these nets But Peter was polite, even though he didn't think anything was going to come of it. And it seems like he was probably kind of the leader. So he said, all right, we'll try it one more time. And they did. And here's what happened. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. They couldn't hold all the fish that they were catching. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed... They left everything and followed Jesus. This was Peter's first big life interruption when he meets Jesus and he sees that Jesus is the real deal and he decides to leave his fishing business and become a full-time disciple traveling around following Jesus. And, And Peter's life is radically changed by his relationship with Jesus. But it's not all fun and games. It's not all good. It's challenging. There are struggles. There are difficult things that he has to wrestle through, through all of this, not just externally, but internally. Who, who is he and what is he going to do and what is he made of and what's his character and what's his relationship with his Jesus? And it's confusing to him, very confusing at times. But at one point, God reveals something to Peter that helps him to better understand what is really going on. Here's what happened. At one point, Jesus asks his disciples to give him some feedback on what other people are saying about him. We talked about this on Friday night. 
What do people say about me? Who do they say that I am? And the disciples give different answers to him based on what they've heard. Some say that you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some say that you are Elijah, the prophet, come back, or Jeremiah, the prophet, come back. And those weren't bad guesses. But it's Peter who speaks up when Jesus says, who do you think I am? Not what do they think, who do you think that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus tells Peter that he's blessed because God revealed this to him. He didn't get this from any person. This came right from God. And Peter's got to be feeling pretty good at this point. But immediately after this, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus starts telling these same disciples that he is going to have to go to Jerusalem and he is going to suffer and he's going to die. But he will come back three days later. Now think about it for a moment. That would be a very confusing thing to hear. And Peter's not having any of it. He actually pulls Jesus aside at this point. He's just had this incredible revelation. This is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now the Messiah, the Son of God is saying, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die, but I'll come back in three days. And Peter's having none of it. And he pulls Jesus aside and he reprimands Jesus. Can you believe that? Peter reprimands Jesus, the Bible says. And he rebukes him and says, no, that cannot happen. And Jesus says in verse 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. In other words, if you want to be a true disciple, you have to be willing to make some sacrifices. You have to be willing to die just like Jesus is going to die. Now, have you ever considered the cost of following Jesus? See, in the United States, where most of you are watching this right now, we don't have to think about this in terms of dying too often, dying for our faith. Probably none of you are scared that you are going to lose your life because of your trust in Jesus. But I want you to notice one other part of this. And that is when Jesus says, you must give up your own way. See, it's not just about dying for Jesus. It's also about living for him. It's not just about dying for Jesus. It's also about living for him. And that might actually be harder. In fact, I wonder if for some of you, it's harder to live for Jesus now than it was before. Because before, when you walked outside your door or when you went to the store or you went to work or you went to church, you were able to kind of put on the mask. But at home, you're used to taking that mask off and just being the real you. And at home, it can be so much harder to live for Jesus yeah, we can talk about dying for Jesus. That's, that's one thing. But what about living for Jesus? How hard is it to do that when you are stuck at your home? And we don't stop being followers of Jesus when we walk in our door. We don't stop being Christians. We don't stop being the church. But sometimes we stop acting like it when we're in our own homes. And that's where we are at right now. And Jesus doesn't want us to just die for him. He wants us to live for him, to give up your own way. Or deny yourself, as some versions put it. Take up your cross and follow him. Be willing to sacrifice what you want to do, even if it comes to your own life, and follow Jesus. Peter thought he was willing to do that. Peter thought he was ready to die for Jesus. In fact, when Jesus told the disciples that they were all going to desert him when he was attacked later, Peter led the way in saying that just wasn't possible. He was too loyal, 
too committed could not happen. Jesus says in Matthew 26, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Hold on to that. That's important. After I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. They followed Peter's lead. Hey, I've got a question for you. Have you ever committed something to God and then later broke that commitment? Have you ever promised God, I'll never do that again. I'll never say that again. And then what do you know, sometime later, you you did it again. You broke your commitment to God. I've done that. I've promised God that I wouldn't do something again or wouldn't say something again or wouldn't dwell on those thoughts again. And then I find myself being human back where I was before, messing up. That's something that we all struggle with, we all wrestle with. And Peter goes through this, he makes this commitment to Jesus and then just a few hours later, he messes it all up just like Jesus said he would. Not that Jesus forced him to, but Jesus knows the future. He knew what Peter would do, that Peter would ultimately fall under the pressure and would deny him three times. If you were with us for Good Friday, you know what happens. You know how this story goes. Peter denies Jesus three times. When he's asked if he's a follower of Jesus, he says, I don't know him. And he curses and he swears and says, I do not know the man. And then the rooster crows and Jesus, who's in the same courtyard with him, turns and looks at Peter. And Peter, who is just ashamed and broken and cannot believe what just happened, remembers what Jesus said to him. He had forgotten momentarily, but now he remembers that Jesus predicted this would happen. And he said, there's no way it could happen, but it did. And he breaks down crying and weeping and he runs away. Those were dark times for Peter. He broke his commitment to the man who he said was the Messiah, the Son of God, and he promised so resolutely, and yet he broke his commitment. He broke his promise. He did exactly what he said he wouldn't do. And in less than 24 hours, the man who thought he was willing to die for Jesus denied him and ran away. He thought Jesus was going to be his leader forever. And now the man he called the Messiah is on his way to a cross. He's losing his leader and he's become a failure in the process. And Peter's life is is interrupted again at this point. This changes everything. Can you imagine the pit in his stomach, the way he feels in this moment? These are dark times for Peter and everything he thought he knew was just turned upside down at this point. Now, you know what happens next, don't you? You know that Jesus is crucified, but he doesn't stay dead. He comes back to life. He is resurrected three days later. And when the women come to the tomb to pay their respects, they're greeted by an angel. And that angel delivers this message to the women that are the first ones to come and see the empty tomb. And here is the message the angel gives to them. It's in Matthew chapter 28. The angel says, now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. Remember that. That's what Jesus said. 
Go to Galilee, I will go there ahead of you. The angel is saying, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Now, Mark actually records this in a little extra detail. And it's interesting because the source for Mark's gospel is almost certainly Peter. So Peter, the man who denied Jesus, Peter is sharing this information with Mark. Mark is writing it down. And here is Mark's version of this, which gives a little bit more detail. He says, now go and tell his disciples, the angel is speaking, including Peter. There's some emphasis there. Make sure Peter knows about this. Make sure Peter gets this message. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. See, Peter of all the disciples needed to go see Jesus in Galilee because they had some unfinished business to deal with. They had some things to talk about. So what happens back in Galilee? What goes down there? Well, Matthew doesn't actually give us very much. Matthew says that the 11 disciples went back to Galilee. They saw Jesus, but he doesn't give us much more than that. Mark and Luke give us even less than that. But John, the Gospel of John, tells us the story of exactly what happened in Galilee after the disciples went there and Jesus met them. Back where Jesus first met Peter and Andrew and James and John, back where he told them to put their net down into the water again. He had them go out from the shore and and try again after they caught nothing all night and the, the two boats were full of fish to the point where they almost sank. Go back to that place. Back to where we started. I will be there waiting for you, Jesus said. So there they are. The disciples are back in Galilee, and they're just waiting, waiting for Jesus. They're being obedient. This is where he told them to go. It's where the angel reminded them to go, and Jesus said he would be there before them, but they're here, and where's Jesus? I don't see him. Where is Jesus? I don't know. He told us to go here. We're being faithful to him, but he's not here. And so Peter comes up with an idea. Hey, guys, he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing, and the others said, we'll come too. So seven of them, the Bible says, Peter and six others, went out and decided to do some fishing in the middle of the night. They went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And I just wonder if any of them had some nostalgia at this point. Hey, remember, this is just like that night that, that we first met Jesus. That's, this is the first time since then that we've caught nothing all night long. It's just like that time, just a few years ago. Now, a lot of people have criticized Peter and the others for going out and fishing at this time. I mean, why didn't they just start preaching about Jesus right away? They had seen him back in Jerusalem after he rose from the dead. This this is not the the first time that they would see Jesus here in Galilee. They saw him, they knew that he'd come back, but there's a lot more that he has to share with them. But people have criticized Peter and the disciples for not immediately going out and evangelizing about Jesus and instead going back to fishing. Like they fell back into their old habits, their old lifestyle. Maybe they were giving up on Jesus. Maybe, maybe they were just going back to their old way of living and decided, well, we're just going to forget this whole Jesus thing. But I, I want to suggest to you that I don't think that's a very accurate interpretation. And I'm going to give you three reasons for that. And these are three reasons that also carry some principles, I think, for us that are especially relevant in these times. Three principles or three reasons that are actually good examples for us to follow. And the first reason is that they were right where Jesus told them to be. They were in Galilee. Jesus said, go back to Galilee. He didn't say, go be missionaries right away. He said, go to Galilee and I will be there. I've got some things I need to tell you. But Jesus wasn't there. 
So that brings me to my second reason, which is they were doing something productive while they were waiting. When life gets interrupted, when plans don't go as hoped, and and things get delayed, and, and everything around us gets kind of dashed to pieces, our temptation can be to wallow. Maybe you lost your job, and so now you're sitting at home with nothing to do. Or you're a student, and you can't go to class, and the class work that you do from home is, is really light now. It's not nearly what you were doing when you were at school. And so you have all this extra time on your hands and you're just kind of moping about. And that's our human condition is to, to sort of mope about and to get lazy and slothful when we have nothing to do and we get nothing done, when our lives get interrupted like this. And Peter said, hey, let's not just wait around here. Let's go do something. Let's go do something productive. Let's go fishing, guys. We know how to do that. Let's go fishing. Let's get some food make a little bit of money. We still got to get by. This is a productive thing to do. I don't think it's a bad thing at all to do. And by the way, this is not casual fishing. This is not put your vest on and get your hat on and bring your lawn chair and go cast a line kind of fishing. That's not what this is. This is take some boats out into the water, get all the gear ready to go, multiple nets, put the nets down, drag them in there. They've got weights on one end, lighter stuff on the other end to keep the nets the way they want them. And then people have to get down into the water and swim around and put the position the nets where they need to go. And there's smaller nets to catch the fish and bigger nets to corral the fish. And there's a lot of work that goes into this. This is not an easy thing to do. This is not so much like that sort of lazy, just sitting on the edge of the shore fishing. This is closer to deadliest catch. This is a lot more work for them to do. And the third reason that I don't think this is a bad thing for them to do, and I don't think we can blame Peter and the others for going fishing, is because when they decided to be productive is when Jesus actually showed up. When they decided to do something, to be productive, Jesus showed up in the middle of that. And he didn't show up to say, what are you doing? I didn't want you out here fishing. I wanted you back in the house. He didn't tell them that. He just said, go to Galilee. He didn't tell them what to do. He just said, go to Galilee and I'll already be there. So Jesus was there in Galilee already waiting for them, but he didn't show up at the house. He could have. He didn't show up when they were sitting around waiting for him. He showed up when they got busy. He showed up when they started doing something productive. And not only did he show up, but he didn't rebuke them for what they were doing. He joined in with them. He became a part of the fishing process with them. It says at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the other disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. I just wonder if some of them at this moment started to think. Like, okay, this is probably, right? I mean, this is too similar to what we've experienced before. And so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Do you think that rang some bells for them? Do you think that caused them to go, okay, there's, there's something about this here that's very, very similar. This is just like the first time we met Jesus for most of these guys. There are seven of them in the boat. Four of them were there for the first miracle, just like this, where Jesus said, put your nets down in the water again, and they brought up all this fish. Why would Jesus do this miracle again? It's the same miracle. Why would he do the exact same thing again? Why did he not show up at the house? Why did he wait until they were fishing Now, this isn't right in the text, but I think we can make an educated guess here. I think what Jesus is doing is giving these men a fresh start, especially Peter. They all scattered and ran away. They all abandoned Jesus at the moment that he technically most needed him. But Peter is the one 
who cut deeper than any of the others, denying Jesus three times. And so especially for Peter, Jesus is giving an opportunity for a fresh start. Peter was kind of the leader of this group. He's the one that's always speaking up and saying, here's what we're going to do next, or no, Jesus, don't do that. Or Jesus, this is what, what I really believe you are, and God revealed that to him. Peter's sort of a leader here. Peter was the one that Jesus said, I specifically want him to be in Galilee. The angel said, make sure you tell Peter. He's the only one mentioned by name there. He needs to be in Galilee. He really needs to be there to see Jesus. Peter's the one that led these other men out into the water to do something productive that morning when Jesus finally showed up. And Jesus is giving Peter, the denier, the screw up, the guy who messed everything up days ago, an opportunity for a fresh start. John chapter 21 verse 7 says, then the disciple Jesus loved, and that's John by the way, John's writing this, he doesn't refer to himself by his own name, he just says the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. This is just like that first miracle he did the day we met him. This has got to be Jesus. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. That means he was probably one of the guys who was jumping down in the water out in the Sea of Galilee and moving the nets around. So he had taken his tunic off, he puts it back on so he can have it with him, and then he swims with it on to shore. And when he gets there, they have breakfast. And Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And the conversation does not include Jesus judging Peter. It does not include Jesus rebuking him for his denials or saying, I I told you so. I told you, Peter. See, you did it. You did exactly what I said you wouldn't do. It doesn't have that at all. He asks him a simple question, a question that just cuts through Peter like a knife. After breakfast, which Jesus had prepared for them, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than they do? Do you you really truly love me now? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question then. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Peter's getting a little uncomfortable here. He's being singled out. The other disciples are around him, the the six others that went fishing with him. And now Peter's being singled out by Jesus. Why would Peter be singled out by Jesus? And then a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. He was hurt that Jesus asked a question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Why? did Jesus ask Peter this question three times? Peter's not really happy about it in the moment, is he? But Jesus is actually doing him a great favor. See, Peter denied Jesus three times, and now Jesus is giving him the chance to be restored three times, to affirm his love for Jesus three times, to make up for those three denials to cancel that out. It's like Jesus is putting a big red button in front of Peter and on that big red button in white letters is written the word reset. He's giving Peter a reset button and saying our relationship needs a reset and so I'm gonna give you the chance, Peter, to correct all three of those denials right here and right now and Peter's hurt by it but I'll bet it helped him later. I'll bet it helped him to know 
that Jesus canceled out all three of those denials with these three affirmations. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. Care for my sheep. It's a reset button for Peter because Jesus has big things in store for him ahead as part of his movement, as part of his followers. The Bible says that we can have new life in Jesus Christ. New life when we believe in him. You know what that is? That's like hitting the reset button. That's a fresh start. Everything is made new. Let's start over, Peter. Same place, same miracle, a fresh start for you. The reset button. And Peter's life here is massively interrupted again. Everything's different from this point forward. Jesus tells him that not only should he be a follower, but he's going to be a leader. He's going to be taking care of the other followers. He's going to be feeding the other followers spiritually, guiding them. And he goes on to say, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they will take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. Peter and Jesus hit the reset button and everything changed for Peter at this moment. His relationship with Jesus was restored. The man who once denied Jesus three times would end up dying for Jesus eventually. He did follow Jesus all the way to the cross eventually. Before that happened in Acts chapter 2, it's Peter who stands up and speaks for the early church. In Acts chapter 3, it's Peter who tells a layman, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but whatever I have, I'll give to you. And that's Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the man walks and, and is healed. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are arrested for teaching about Jesus. And the leaders come to them and say, on whose authority are you teaching in the name of Jesus? And it's Peter who speaks up and says, the man you crucified, who God raised from the dead, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's Peter. In Acts chapter five, people bring out their sick relatives to lay in the streets when they know that Peter will be passing by in the hopes that his shadow might fall on them and they'll be healed from their sickness. That's Peter. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times is now the Peter that people are coming to to learn about Jesus. Peter and Jesus hit the reset button and Peter's life would never be the same. But what was it that made the difference? What was it that changed from the Peter who was denying Jesus to the Peter who was willing to die for Jesus and who did all these incredible things for Jesus. What happened between those two time periods? And the answer to that is the resurrection of Jesus. It's the resurrection that made the difference in Peter's resolve and Peter's faith in Peter's life because he had seen the risen Lord. And so now he knew the resurrection of Jesus showed Peter that the cross is not the end. It's just the beginning. The cross does not bring death in this case. It brings life. Death is nothing to fear because there's more after death, because of his relationship with God, because of the resur resurrection of Jesus that makes it possible. And that's why later on, Paul, the apostle Paul, can tell the Corinthians, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He conquered death. Peter has nothing else to fear. And so here's the question that I have for you today. No matter who you are, no matter what you're doing right now, if you're just listening to this and doing something else, or if your eyes are locked in, I want you to focus in on this question. Are you ready? Here's the question. Do you need to hit 
the reset button with Jesus today? Do you need to hit the reset button with Jesus? Do you need a fresh start? Do you need a moment where you and Jesus just sit down and have a heart to heart and walk away and everything's changed for you? Your life is radically different. You know what we learned from this story about Peter? If a man like Peter, who denied Jesus three times, who messed up in such a big way, who made a commitment to Jesus multiple times, broke that commitment multiple times, can be welcomed back by Jesus with open arms, then you and I can too. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're struggling with right now, no matter what you've slipped back into, you can always hit the reset button with Jesus. And that's what he wants from you. That's the good news from the story of Peter and how the resurrection impacted him. So maybe today you need to recommit your life to Jesus and hit that reset button. And what if Jesus showed up this morning and and made you breakfast like he did for the disciples? And he asked you the question, do you love me? Do you love me enough? Do you love me enough to give up those things? that you know you shouldn't be doing? Do you love me enough to do these things that you know you should do? Do you love me enough to to not say those things that you know I do not want you to say? They're not good for you, they're not good for other people. Do you love me enough to follow me? Do you love me enough to sacrifice, to give up your own way? Do you love me enough to, if it comes to it, to even die for the relationship that I'm giving you with God? What's your answer to him? I'm going to invite you today to respond in a few different ways. One way you could respond if you want to, if you're willing to, is just to post in the chat right next to the live stream and say, hey, I'm hitting the reset button today. I need to start fresh. You don't have to say what it is. You can if you want, but you can just let people know, hey, I am, I'm hitting that reset button. I need to. I've, I've been caught in some things that I shouldn't be doing. Maybe it's because of all of this time at, at home, the difficulties with what we're experiencing right now, the stress, the pressure. I just want to let you all know that I'm hitting the reset button today. Another thing you can do is let our prayer team know so they can be praying for you. And you can do that at efree.org slash prayer. Let us know how we can pray for you as you recommit yourself to Jesus and walking closely with him. The third thing you can do is after this service, we're going to put some discussion questions on the screen for several minutes. We're gonna cycle through them a couple of times. These are the same questions we give to our groups. So if you're in one of our groups, you'll get these questions so that you can talk about them in your group. But if you're alone, you could just sit and watch these questions and think about them. If you're with a group of people, it'd be a great idea to just wait around a few minutes, watch and talk about these questions together. It'll be really clear as they're going across on the screen and they'll cycle back around again. Have some conversations about what you're deciding today as a result of what we're learning from God's word. And finally, maybe you're out there and you're watching and you've never actually committed your life to Jesus. So all of this is new to you. This is not a recommitment. This is a, I've never actually done this before. I've never really trusted in Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I just stumbled across the stream today because somebody put it on Facebook and here I am. If that's you, and if God has been tugging at your heart during this message and causing you to realize that you need what Jesus has to offer, you need the kind of relationship that he has for you, for him to forgive you of your sins, here's what you can do. You can pray to God right now and say, God, I know that I've done some bad things. 
I understand that I am a sinner. I understand that you can't accept me the way that I am. I understand there's nothing good that I can do in order to be made right with you, but I believe in Jesus. I believe in what he did for me on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he conquered sin and death so that those things can be conquered in my life and I want a relationship with you. And so Jesus, would you come into my life? I trust in you. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. And when you do that, Jesus promises that he will be with you and that his Holy Spirit will live inside of you and that your desires will be transformed. Not that you will always wanna do the right things. There will be a struggle within you until we go to be with God in heaven. But he will give you good desires as well and you can start to live and walk with him and you hit that reset button on your life and everything is made new. And I'm not gonna lie to you, there will be challenges and your life will be interrupted in some major ways because of this, but it will ultimately be wonderful. And God promises to work everything out for good to those that trust in him. So trust in him today. Let's all pray wherever we're at right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and what it teaches us. Thank you that you rose from the dead, Jesus, so that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you took away our sin and the penalty for our sin and opened up a pathway to God so that we can be one with you. Lord, I pray for everyone who is watching this right now. God, I pray that you would work in their lives and in their hearts. And if any of them need to hit the reset button with you, they would do that. Maybe they have not been walking closely with you, Lord, and now is the time. Time for a fresh start, just like Peter had. Because of the resurrection, you made it possible for us to start over again. And just as Peter got that fresh start, Lord, I pray that for many of us today, this would be a day of a fresh start, a day where we recommit to you, a day where we say, because of what Jesus did for me, I am going to live differently. I'm gonna have a different relationship with my spouse, a different relationship with my kids, a different relationship with my neighbors, a different relationship with my coworkers. Because of the relationship I have with God, that's gonna influence everything else, not the other way around. Help us to get serious about our relationship with you and for our lives to be transformed by the interrupting power of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray.